You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Chapter 1, we talked about in verse 5 and and 6. Look at verse 6. We talked about being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That that when God starts something in your life, he's going to finish it. You better believe it. Whether it takes five years or whether it takes a lifetime, God's going to complete his good work in you that he has for you. And you you better be ready that God's going to do something. If you're a Christian today, God's going to do something spectacular in your life. He wants to take you by the hand. He wants to lead you. He has a plan for us, and he's going to do something. He's going to do a work, and he's going to complete it. A lot of us start projects. We never finish it, but God's always a finisher of the things that he starts, always. That's his promise. That was last week. So in chapter 2 today... It is one of the the biggest chapters in all the Bible because this is kind of the blueprint of who Jesus is as he is the the God-man. He he, he lived on this earth as 100% man, yet fully God also. But it gives this blueprint of how he lived on this earth and why we need to imitate his lifestyle, why we need to mimic what Jesus did, how he talked, how he lived, how he acted. It's all about Jesus, and we need to be the same as Jesus was. Jesus said in his Gospels, be perfect as I am perfect. Now, does Jesus really think that we're going to be perfect? No. He knows we're human. But it's that goal we need to have. We need to be like Jesus. Jesus is perfect. He says, therefore, be perfect. Have that goal in mind, to be like me, to be like me. And we're going to see how Jesus lived. We're going to see who he was, and we need to have the same attitude. That's our our title for today. It's our attitude. Our attitude in Jesus, our attitude in this world, and how we reflect him. Because a lot of us can have a bad attitude in this world, yet still be saved, but we're walking around depressed or mad or angry, and we have an attitude. You, your mother can always tell that if you have an attitude. I don't like your attitude. That's what she always says, all right? Dad doesn't really care, but mom always says, I don't like your attitude, all right? Mom could always sense my attitude. Dad never really cared. That's just how guys are. I don't get it. But moms can, like, read you. It's just crazy how they can just read you. I don't like that attitude. Stop the attitude. I don't have an attitude. Yes, you do. I don't. Yes, you do. No. There's an attitude that we have. We're born with it. We have this this nature now, this sinful nature where we just are, you know, we we just want to be our own person. We want to be our own God. And we can have an attitude like that. But Philippians chapter 2 says we need to have an attitude that's reflecting Jesus Christ. And this attitude takes work. You need to practice this. This takes effort. Jesus calls us to do this. It's a goal that we need to look into and, and practice. So let's read Philippians chapter 2, and then we'll dive in. It's just 11 verses, but it's one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture in all the Bible of Philippians chapter 2 of who Jesus was. It's, it's amazing. So let's look at verse 1. It reads, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. And that word joy appears again. We talked about that last week. The, the theme of the whole book of Philippians is joy. You're going to find joy in, everywhere in this book. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You can underline that word attitude. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And everyone said amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the worship that we can enter into, into singing. And now we enter into your word, Father. And we want to learn something about how you lived, how you talked, how you acted, how you walked this life 2,000 years ago as a man. And Father, we're, we're frail human beings, and, but we, we want to see the example that you left us and follow that. I pray that we would get a different sense, a different perspective on how we need to have a better attitude in this life and reflecting you, the greatest perfect example that ever lived. So go before us now as we study this. Help us to learn something new. I pray that you would soften the hearts that are in here, and I pray for all distractions to be put away. And and Lord, I pray for anyone that's that's coming with baggage or maybe some some burden, that that they would just lay it down at the feet of the cross, at at your cross, Lord, and and just give it to you. And Father, we we never want to take this time for granted. We just want to come to you with thanksgiving and give you all the praise and glory. And we do that this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. One of my favorite movies growing up, still one of my favorite movies of all time, is the classic football movie, Remember the Titans. It's a great flick. It's an awesome movie. It's got so many quotes, you can just, I can just lay in bed and just quote that whole movie in my head, and it's just it's magical. But Remember the Titans. One of the best scenes in there that was just like deep, it was very deep, it was a dialogue between Julius Campbell and Gary Bertier, the two defensive buffs. The, they, were, they were men, and, and they are like the defensive men on that roster, and they're starting to go at it. They're starting to get annoyed with each other. They hate each other now. And there was, there was racial you know, segregation back then, and, and that, was, that was just pure evil, but it was more than that. They just didn't like each other. They didn't really get along. They didn't like the defensive schemes that one had over the other. They wanted to do it their own way, and this other guy wanted to do it the other way. And Gary Bertier was that captain. He was the captain on the defense. And so he's trying to lead the squad, lead the, lead the defense so they can win games. And Julius Campbell comes along, and he's like, hey, I, I just don't really think, I don't like what you're doing. And Gary Bertier's like, I don't like what you're doing. And they, they just start fighting. You know that scene. They're all dirty. They just gotten from practice. But one thing that Gary Bertier tells Julius, is says, basically, I'm paraphrasing, I don't like your attitude. I don't like that attitude you have with me. But Julius Campbell backfires, has a great comeback line, and says, well, sir, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. And Gary Bertier is speechless. And then it goes to the next scene with Ryan Gosling. It's a great movie. Uh, you've got, so you've got Julius Campbell saying that word, that phrase to Gary Bertier. Attitude reflects leadership. Attitude reflects leadership. And he's so true. In our spiritual life, this is how we need to live. Our attitude should reflect the ultimate leadership, and that's the leadership of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's saying here in, in verse 5. Look again in verse 5. He says, your attitude, yours, take ownership of it. Your attitude should reflect Christ Jesus. It should reflect and be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he goes into this little paraphrase, paraphrase this little poetic poem, if you will, of who Jesus was beautifully as, as a man and, and as God. But our attitude, our attitude on this earth should reflect the leadership of Jesus. And our attitude can change. Our attitude can, you know, can, re- it can reflect someone else. If we are hanging out with the wrong crowd, our attitude can kind of be like them. We, we tend to have friends that have common interests with one another. So you kind of make friends who have stuff in common with you. But if they're a bad influence on you and you start, you know, your attitude starts changing, 
because it wants to fit them, it, that's just natural. Your attitude will just change to someone you really like or you really want to be friends with. And our attitude, our attitude can be shifty. It can go up and down. It can be bad. It can be good. But Paul's saying here, as a Christian, the attitude, the only attitude you should reflect and imitate is none other than Jesus Christ. He was the, the perfect role model for us today. A lot of us can, can say, hey, this person's my role model. We have role models in Hollywood. We have role, model, role models in sports. We have role models in politics, some. Um, and our attitude will start kind of changing. It will start changing of who we start liking, who we start, you know, idolizing or, or whatnot. The only person we should be idolizing, if you will, is Jesus Christ. And our attitude should reflect that. It should reflect how he lived. But we're going to talk about three things and then a fourth thing as well that, that needs to reflect Jesus Christ and who he is. But three things, basically, on how our attitude should be. Our attitude is to be like this. So if you're taking notes, this is how our attitude is to be. And it just comes from chapter 2 here in Philippians. Paul, Paul writes it beautifully. If you want to learn how to be like Christ, if you want to learn how to have the same mind as Christ, because in the Greek, in verse 5, your attitude, the Greek word for that is basically phroneo. Phroneo, and it, it's a verb, and it means to set one's mind to think. It's, it's not a noun. Usually an attitude can be, be, be uh, designated as a noun. This attitude, the word that he uses, Paul does, is a verb. It's an action. You live it. You live this attitude life. You have the same mind. It's, it's to set one's mind, to start thinking. It's a verb. You take action with it. You own it. And that's what Paul's saying. He says your, your attitude, the way you live now, the way, the way you live from your heart to your mind and to what you do in life, the way you act, it should now be the same as Jesus Christ. And that can be, that can be tough. That can be hard. Because we kind of want to set our minds on what we want to do. We want to have the, our attitude be on something else or someone else and, or be like someone else. And we want to do our own thing. And Paul's saying, no, here's, here's what you need to do. Make my joy complete. Make my joy complete by doing these things. And you're going to have the same attitude and reflect Christ's leadership. That's how, that's how it needs to work. So three things that we're going to look at that we can have the same attitude as Jesus. One thing is our attitude is to love others. That's, that's our first and foremost attitude that we need to have is to love others others. That's found in verse 2. We can read it real quick. He says in verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. The first thing we need to do for our attitude to be like Jesus is to be united in love, having the same love. But what, what kind of love? This, this Greek word in the, in the, in the text, there's, there's four different kinds of words for love. In our English language, we can use love for so many different things. I can love chocolate, but I can also love my wife. Do I love chocolate more than my wife? No. Do I, you know, do I, I can, I can love the Redskins, and I can love Star Wars. Ah, that's a terrible comparison, because I love them both. Um, I can love, you know, you, you know, I'm trying to think of something. I, I can love um, Donald Trump, and I can also love, no, I'm kidding. I, I just threw that out there. But look, we, we use love in a different way. But in this Greek, in the text, the Greeks were very particular in how they, they wrote and how they did their language. And this Greek word is the, is the word agape. It's, it's an unconditional love. We need to have the same love that Jesus did. That's who he was. That was his attitude. It was always love. And in 1 John, read 1 John if you want practicality on how to ha act on love. 1 John talks about God is love. He's the definition of love. He is the whole purpose of love. He is love. That's his nature. That's who he is. 
So in, in a loving God, he's going to discipline his kids. He's going to judge righteously. That's love. He speaks the truth in love. We also need to do that. If we want to have the same attitude as Jesus, we need to start loving others. This really isn't talking about loving God. It's, Paul's talking about you need to start loving your other brothers and sisters in Jesus and loving others that don't even know Jesus. Because he says, look at it again. He says, then make my joy complete in verse 2, being like-minded, having the same love, basically the same love as Jesus, being one in spirit and purpose. We're to have this, this attitude, this mindset, if you will. The, the, the King James uses the word mind. Your mind should be the same as Christ Jesus. It starts in our mind. We should start then using our mind and acting towards it, starting to love others. And that, that takes discipline because we love those who love us back. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, you, there's nothing for you. If you just love others who love you back, there's no reward there. But if you love your enemies, and Jesus took a whole different detour there. He was like, if you love your enemies, then great is your reward in heaven. And the people are like, well, I love my enemy. I can't love my enemy. You know, I, come on. She broke up with me. I, she's an enemy now. I, I can't love her anymore. No, I can't love my enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. No, God, you don't know, you don't know what happens in school. I get, I get teased. I get, I get made fun of because I'm a Christian. You want me to pray for them? Pray for those who persecute you and love those who don't love you. So Jesus took a whole different detour with that. And the people are like, whoa, what? We, we, we're so prone to just love those who love us. Because why? Because it makes us feel good. It, it, it builds us up. We, we love it when other people love us, show affection to us. So we'll love them back. Love you, bro. You love me. I love you. Barney, we're a big happy family, all right? I love you, Barney. Can't stand that stinking dinosaur anymore. He, he's all wrong. He's heresy. He's heretical. He's blasphemy. Get rid of Barney, okay? Instead of Barabbas being the one to be, should have been the one to be crucified instead of Jesus, it should have been Barney, okay? Jesus, Jesus or Barney? I'm, I'm totally going in different. <laughs> you guys are probably like, what is he talking about? Never mind. The story of Jesus and Barabbas, when they, when they said, I want, we want Barabbas, crucify Jesus. I'm just picturing Barney out there. <laughs> crucify Barney, get rid of Barney. <laughs> you, you can really understand my mind now. My mind is just... What is he talking about? Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah, Barney, I love you, you love me. Anyway, shut up, Barney. Look, it's a loving others with an unconditional love. Now, you guys are going to think of <laughs> it's just a terrible image of Barney. Um, we need to start loving others unconditionally. I'm going to Loving others unconditionally. That's number one for our attitude to be like-minded with others, and to have the same love that Jesus has for us and for other people that don't know him. Number two, our attitude should esteem others. Not only should love others, but esteem others. That comes from verse three. Look at verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider. You can underline that word consider. Consider others better than yourselves. The Greek word for that is basically the same as esteem. Lift them up, encourage them, consider them. Better than yourselves. Don't think about yourself, think about them. In humility, that's, where, that's the key word, humility. He says in verse 2, he kind of tells us what not to do and then what to do for esteeming others. What not to do is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Selfish ambition is basically promoting yourself, making yourself look good. It's all about me. Look at me. Promoting myself. That's selfish ambition. Now, it's, there's good ambition. You want, you want to please the Lord. You want to make him known. But then there can be selfish ambition where you want to make yourself known. You want to puff yourself up. Paul says, don't do that. <clears throat> it's not about selfish ambition. 
Then he says also vain conceit. Conceit is basically empty glory. You're praising yourself, but they're, they're, it's just empty. There's nothing there. You, you're, you're, just, you're, you're in vain conceit. It's all about you, but it's empty. He says, so do nothing out of that. Do everything out of humility. That's the key word. You want to esteem others? Be humble about it. Learn what it means to be humble. Then you're going to want to esteem others. You're going to want to consider them better than yourselves because it's not about you and me. It's about Jesus and it's about other people. It's never about you. So if you get in that cycle, everyone, it goes hand in hand. You, you love on someone else, you esteem them. They're going to esteem someone else. They're going to love on someone else. They're going to esteem you. They're going to love you. It just goes hand in hand. I love what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I love that. C.S. Lewis says about humility, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not saying like, oh, I'm a loser. It's not saying less of yourself. You are thinking of yourself less. Basically, you're not always thinking about, look at me, look at me. That's what humility is. And that's how we need to esteem others. The Bible says esteem them and, and consider others better than yourselves. Why would he say that? Because we always think about ourselves. We always do. You, there's a group photo that's been taken and there's a there's hundred people in that photo. Who do you look for first? You, me, where am I? I wanna see if I look good. Was I, having, was I having a bad hair day? Oh man, I look great in that picture. Oh, I hate myself in that picture. We're always looking for me, me, me. The first thing you do when you get out of bed, you look at yourself in the mirror. You wanna look good, it's about me, all right? I'm guilty of the same drug as, as well. We always, it's this drug of me. I wanna look at me, it's all about me. Paul says esteem others. Don't even start thinking about yourself. And when you do that, that's humility. You're thinking of yourself less. Consider others more. That's Christ's attitude first. Loving others, esteeming others. Thirdly, serving others. You want the same attitude of Christ? Philippians chapter two makes it clear. Love others, then consider others, encourage them, esteem them, lift them up spiritually. Lastly, serve others. Verse four. This is a great verse. Each of you, all of us, should look not only to your own interests, so that's not a bad thing, you can look to your own interests, but don't make that the only thing. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is one of my favorite verses when I grew up. This is one that I saw and I just, it spoke to me, and sometimes that's what you guys do in your own devotions. You guys have your, like, your personal verse, and it's like, this is, this is kind of my personal verse, and this one is, this is one of mine, because that, that, that character and that mindset now is you're, you're always thinking of someone else. You're always ready and waiting to do something for someone else. Serving others. Verse four, again, each of you shouldn't look to your own interests, but you should also look to the interests of others. What are others' needs? What are others' desires? What, what are others going through? Are you serving them? Are you looking out for them? Do you take care of them? Do you, do you look at who needs something or who, who is the poor and needy? Jesus was always about this, serving others serving them. We got to get into this habit. We got to get into this mindset. If you're a Christian, you have to get in this habit of it's all about serving. It's all about somebody else. And that's Jesus. You know, it's all about Jesus. And when Jesus says you do unto me, you've done unto the least of these. So you're doing it when you do something for someone else, you're serving them. You're doing that unto Jesus. That's what he said. So our mindset, our attitude should be loving others, esteeming them, and then serving them. That's what Jesus did. Jesus says in his Gospels, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. 
Like that, that lingo, you just got served, man. I mean, that's, that's probably old now, but that was back in my day. It was just like, what? You just got served, like someone dunks on you in a basketball game. Oh, I just got served. I mean, I mean, Jesus was the best server, so I mean, you could say that. But look, Jesus didn't come to be served. He didn't say, look, serve me, I'm the king. Look at me, it's all about me, come on, I'm dying for your sins, it's all about me. I've come to die for you. Look at me, it's me, it's me. No, Jesus was never like that. Now Jesus would point to the Father, but he first showed love, he first showed servanthood. That's the attitude of Christ, loving others, esteeming others, and serving others. If, if, if you can do one of these, that's great. If you can do all three, that's what, that's what Christ calls us to. Maybe some of you say, well, I can love others, and I can definitely esteem them, but I have trouble serving others. It, you need to get in the habit of that. Look into the own interests of others rather than your own. Look at, look at other people's wants and needs and, and concerns and see where they're at with the Lord and, and consider them. This, this chapter in chapter two is, is basically the me versus he, if you will. That was our camp theme last summer. This is basically that theme. Is it about me or is it about Jesus? And when it's about Jesus, you're not gonna look at yourself anymore in the same way. You're gonna to wanna to look at other people the way Jesus looks at them. Because last but not least, the last thing we need to do for our attitude is reflect Christ's leadership. That's the whole message of this, of this study. Loving others, esteeming others, serving others, but last but not least, reflecting Christ's and his leadership, reflecting what he did on, on this earth, what he did. Because you could say, if Jesus never came to this earth and he, he, never, he never lived as a man, and he never felt our pain, and he never died for our sins, and he never was tempted in every way. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, like we are, but was without sin. If he never did that, then you could make the argument, but Jesus doesn't understand. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He's never been a, a man, if you will. He's never been a human being. He doesn't know what I'm going through. But in fact, that's what Jesus did. He came to this earth to die, but also to feel our pain to feel what, it, feel what it is that we go through, to be tempted in every way, to have, to have wants and needs, to, to be sad, to be happy, to have a desire to do this, a desire to do that, to, to feel hurt, to feel broken. He went through everything that you and I did. So since Christ did that and he came on this earth, humbled himself, we now need to reflect Christ's leadership. And that's verse five, and that's what we just read. Verse five, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. If your attitude is, is following somebody else in this world, if your attitude is following some movie star, or your attitude is, is kind of just wanting to be your own attitude, and you're just, you're just your own person, I can do what I want, then that, you're not in the right relationship with the Lord. You just aren't. If, if, you, if we claim to be a Christian, then we need to live it. And here is the perfect blueprint on how to live a Christian life, Christ-like. And again, reflecting Christ's leadership, look again in verse six, I'm gonna read it again. It's the blueprint, it's the manuscript of who Jesus was as a man and why he came to this earth. It says here, it says here who being in very nature God, basically being, being in the form of God, he is God, but in being in this nature as a man, the man God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, which means he kind of left his, his heavenly glory as God's son and came to this earth as a man. He didn't want to grasp it, he didn't want to take hold of it, he left it, he put it aside, he laid it down. Again, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. He left some of his heavenly glories and he left it in heaven. Because he says, I want the full portion of who man, who human is. 
And it says here, but he made himself nothing. Verse 7, he made himself nothing. Isn't that interesting? We can read this whole passage and kind of skip different characteristics of who Jesus was, but that stands out to me. He made himself nothing. He didn't make himself something. He didn't promote himself. He didn't say, hey, look at me, it's all about me, although he did that so that they could understand who he is for salvation, but it wasn't just about like, I'm the king, I'm coming in full force, look at me. He made himself nothing. And it says here, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So there's that servanthood of Jesus. And these three things that we can see up here, that's what Jesus did. Jesus loved others. Jesus esteemed others. Jesus served others. That was his attitude. That was his mind. That's why he came. That's who he was. The most unique person ever live. And he's the son of God. And we should hold fast to that. Understand what salvation is and receive it. Because God has a plan for us, and that hope that we can have is the hope of eternal life. But living like Jesus on earth is going to be tough. But when it says here that he became a man in human likeness, verse 8, he was found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and then he became obedient to death. He obeyed the Father. That's why he came. He came to die. He humbled himself. How humiliating that was to go and die on a cross. We, we talk about this, but if we actually lived at that time when the Roman Empire was, was the powerful empire on the, on the planet at that time, and crucifixion was their, was their electric chair, if you will, the most excruciating, humiliating way you could die, slow death. And Jesus was humbled, and he became obedient. He obeyed. If Jesus didn't go through with this, I don't know where we would be today. Jesus had to go through with this. He says, it's the only way that I'm going to make reconciliation with you. Because sin separates you. Sin separates me from a holy God. There was no other way that we could be redeemed, if you will, reconciled, forgiven from our sins unless Jesus came to die on a cross. And that's what he did. So now the Bible's saying, because Jesus did this, because he did this, we also need to have the same attitude. And I pray, and I really I guarantee you, I mean, I never want to guarantee it, but honestly, I don't think we're ever going to go through what Jesus did, ever. But he, yet, he's the perfect role model. So if we have that assurance, like, I'm never going to kind of die the way Jesus did, how much more should we just live this the way he did? Because it, and then it says here in verse 9, we'll finish with this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Then he gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is a promise that is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. But when Jesus comes back and rules for a thousand years, this, this passage is going to come to fruition. It's going to come to fulfillment that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But, that, but some, some of the people's fate will already be sealed. They made the choice. And God will distribute the people who can go to eternal life and who can go to eternal punishment. It's a sad, it's a sad verse. But Christ makes it clear in his word, get right with me so that you don't have to go through with that. But everyone will know Jesus is Lord. Either I, I knew it or I was wrong. I followed something else. There will be no excuses. There will be no excuses. And God will be perfect in his judgment and his righteousness that he will distribute. He will separate the sheep from the goats. Read Matthew 24 and 25. He will separate them and say, into your eternal home or into eternal punishment. It's the choice that we make but everyone will one day declare, Jesus is Lord. He will not go unnoticed. Jesus will 
make a stand and say, once and for all, I am king of this universe. And everyone will know it. Everyone. It's going to be great for you and me. Those that know Jesus, it's going to be an awesome time. For those that don't know Jesus, it's going to be a terrible time. Where are you with the Lord? I don't mean to scare you, but it, sometimes this is just the way the gospel message is. It, the gospel message can be frightening for those that don't know him. But for those that know him, when you come to know him, who he is, it's the most beautiful thing ever. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And I want to close with this verse. It's on the screen. It's about our mindset, our attitude. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 24, Paul would write this. You were taught, you and me, were taught to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Once you become a new creation in Jesus, your attitude should change. You should change the way you talk. You should change the way you act. You should change the way you live. You should change the way you see things. You should change the, who you hang out with. There should be a different attitude. Paul says when you are made new now in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God. We are created to be like him. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to pursue him and be like him. He's been pursuing us all along, but he wants that relationship. It's not just a one-person relationship. It's between two people. He wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to pursue him back, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen? Amen. This is, this is what it means to have the attitude of, of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel message is, is displayed perfectly in this passage. But again, going back to the attitude, how, are, how is your attitude? How is it? Where is your attitude? You know, is it, is it in a good place right now? Is it in a bad place with the Lord? Where is your attitude? Next time, I want you to show love to some, someone in your school or on your sports team. I want you to start showing love, having that attitude. Next week, I want you guys to make it an effort to esteem someone else, to encourage them, to lift them up rather than lifting up yourself. And next week also, I want you guys to make it a habit to start serving others, to consider others, to look at others' interests rather than your own. There are many ways we can do this. You can do this in your school. You can do this at home. You can do this wherever you go. Making an effort to love, esteem, and serve others. And doing that, you're going to reflect Jesus Christ and his attitude. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's take this to heart. Attitude certainly does reflect leadership, and our attitude should reflect the leadership of Jesus. Let's pray. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.